Welcome in to the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio on a Thursday. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. And folks, again, before we jump into today's program, keep those thoughts, those prayers, that good energy coming for our buddy Beer City Bruiser. He's had his hip surgery as we speak, his hip replacement surgery. And again, uh, keep those prayers coming. That's what we ask for you. Got a good show coming up today. Got an old friend coming on the program. Uh, journalism professor, author Jason Offit is with us today. And he hasn't been with us for a few years. And uh, again, I apologize for that oversight because he is talented and we want him on this program. We want his input and we want to talk about his work. Jason Offit grew up on a farm near the little town of Oric, Missouri. In his life, he's been a farmhand, a journalist, photographer, bartender, and the mayor of Oric, Missouri. Maybe we'll talk to him about what it's like to be a mayor of the town you grew up in. Jason now teaches journalism at Northwest Missouri State University in Maryville and keeps the world safe from the forces of evil, which means he has a costume. We must talk to him about that costume as well. Um, so there you go. Let's bring him in now to Darkness Radio for, I believe this is your third time, Jason. Jason Offit, welcome, my friend. I think it is my third time, Tim. It's great to, great to be on again. I really appreciate uh, the invite. Well, I appreciate you accepting it. Um, you know, it, and again, I apologize a thousand times, my friend, for the oversight. It was actually when you sent me an article for Supernatural News that I went, oh, no, Jason. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, then I went, and then I felt really bad. And then the guilt washed over me. It's the Catholic guilt that I have. <laughs> And then I went, uh, will you come back on the show, please? Um, and then I wondered, why in the hell you hadn't been here sooner? And then I realized, well, that's on me. That's that's only my fault. Right. So. It has nothing to do with me. I would have been on every week. But uh, I was waiting <laughs> by the phone, Tam. I heard nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that's that's on me, my friend. But I'm, I'm so glad that you're here with us now. Um, I don't think we've ever gone over the fact that you were the mayor of Oric. Have we? I don't believe so, no. Tell me how that happens, first of all, that you become the mayor of the town that you grew up in. Well, I've always been interested in politics. Uh, on my 18th birthday, uh, the very first thing I did was I went and registered to vote. Uh, so I was really, really always excited about that. And um, I was, I'd moved back to my, my hometown after, after living away for a short period of time. And... I just, I just wanted to do something. I wanted to do something in politics, and and there were three spots open on the on the council: the mayor and, and two councilmen, and a couple of uh, good friends of mine. We were in the same fantasy football league. Decided, hey, let's run for office. <laughs> so we did. We all three got elected. Wow! The, the fun part of that is uh, for we had five people on the on the five members on the council, and since the three of us were a quorum. We couldn't sit around on Sundays together drinking beer and watching football. Oh yeah, yeah. Unless we had an open, you know, opened the house up to everybody to come in because we might talk about city business. That's right. Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of screwed your football plans up, didn't it? Well, it, it did. But uh, uh, <laughs> the very first uh, decision that I made that was carried out by the council was football related because they were having council meetings on Mondays. Okay. And I didn't want that to interfere with Monday Night Football, so I changed it to Thursdays. Well, good. Uh, well, yeah. 
But then uh, that that interferes with Impact Wrestling and, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> See, I'm thinking man, wrestling, I, so I, I had to pick my battles, man. Yeah, that's true. You, yeah, you got to pick the lesser of two evils, I guess. Well, that that's a good decision. Um, what was the most unusual decision you had to make as uh, as mayor of Orc? Oh gosh, unusual. Uh, uh, tell my one of my best friends from childhood that he uh, his house was going to be condemned. Really? And he had to leave. Yeah, I was and he hasn't talked to me since. And this has been 20 some years ago. Oh, geez. But, and I had to do it. Yeah. No, I know that's tough, especially in small towns. It's it's hard to do business, especially when you know everybody in the town. You know, I, 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 I you know, I, I've spent plenty of time doing radio in small towns and it's tough when you, especially when you're an outsider coming into a small town to get to know everybody. But if you're affable enough and you get to know everyone, it's, it gets to the point where you stop being the outsider and then you're the radio guy. Um, mm-hmm. But then when you see the inner workings of a small town and everybody knows everybody's business, and when they try to do something in an official capacity, it doesn't get taken in an official capacity. It gets taken personally. No, we had a, a woman that, again, I'd known her, um, you know, all my, all my life. And she wanted to keep kids away from the pool she put in her backyard. So she installed an electric fence. Oh, and we, we, we got to tell her that she couldn't have that. And I got I, I got the uh, the attitude that Jason... I remember when you were walking over and you were, your mom was carrying you around in diapers. You can't tell me to do this. Yeah. An electric fence for a pool? Electric fence to keep the children out of the pool. Uh, it didn't stay up long. That's a little. She had to take it down. That's yeah. a little harsh. It was a bit harsh. Yeah. Yikes. Well, first of all, I don't know if she figured out that water and electricity aren't that conducive. And if she ever had a leak, she'd probably kill everyone in the pool. Yeah, probably. Well, she was. Yeah, well, she was the one who didn't uh, didn't give away fun toys for how or fun candy for Halloween. So maybe she was wanting that. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I guess she'll learn. Uh, I mean, she didn't get to keep the electric fence very long, but you know, right? Lessons well, are one hard. One thing learning. about. Um, about public service, I think everybody should do it once. I did my time, yeah, and I will never serve in any capacity like that ever again. Really? Right. At three o'clock calls at three o'clock in the morning. People complaining about barking dogs. Like, what the hell do you expect me to do? Really? The mayor gets called about barking dogs. That, yeah. That's not a police call. No. It wasn't a police. Well, it, it could have been a police call, but they called me. <laughs> I the, t- the town was eight hundred people, Tim. We had one cop. I, okay, but uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. I, I I just don't see the mayor getting out of bed and and going over and and using a a, a Cesar move and going, you know, to get the dog to shut up. I didn't. I went back to sleep. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's discretion's a better part of valor there, Jason. That's for sure. That's for sure. Got to ask you how you enjoy uh, teaching journalism, being a professor. Well, I've done it now for this. I just completed my 18th year in May, and uh, I absolutely love it. Um, it's exciting when um, 
my students get excited by the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of my classes, a number of my classes are, are, ba- are writing classes. So uh, seeing my, my students writing improve, uh, improve is, is ter- a terrific feeling. And um, one, of the, one of the fun parts is <clears throat> since I worked in journalism for so long, I have so many fun stories to tell them. Oh, yeah. And that gets them really excited. You know, like, yeah, do you guys want to, did I ever tell you guys my story about going uh, with the SWAT team for a meth bust? Uh, no, we'd love to hear that. Oh, great. Here, here it goes. So, uh, yeah, being, just being able to tell them exactly what it was like to be a, to be a working journalist is, is pretty fun. That is fun. That is fun. So does the journalism class ever quiz you on some of the more strange and supernatural stuff that you put out there? Oh, absolutely. They do. And as a matter of fact, I have worked that in uh, once every four to five years. I've taught a class I call paranormal journalism. Really? Uh, Because, and this has always frustrated me for, I don't know how many decades, because I've read newspapers ever since I was a a little kid. Um, The, you know, if it's a ghost story, you know, I mean, since 84, people, you know, people always reference, journalists always reference uh, Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. If it's a Bigfoot story, they will reference Harry and the Hendersons. If it's UFOs, they'll reference the X-Files. And it doesn't matter how serious they were after that reference, they've already made fun of the subject matter. Yes, yeah. And what I wanted uh, to, to teach my students was reporting skills, but how to use those when reporting on paranormal topics. Mm-hmm. Because... I don't know. You might not believe in ghosts, but this person is certain that he saw something. So when you interview him, treat him as seriously as you would treat somebody who witnessed a car accident. And yeah, it's good. It's good advice. And yeah, they had, um, uh, our semesters are are 14, 14 weeks long. So that I assigned them 14 paranormal stories. And at the very beginning, all these people were like, there's no way in hell we're going to find 14 stories and of course they do yeah they just have to talk to people and i mean there's paranormal stories all you know all over the place and then uh yeah they they really really enjoy it were your students shocked that they not that they could find that much material but at the amount of places there was material and the amount of people that had these experiences, and the fact that they were normal Right. I think the thing that, that surprised them uh, most was uh, people they'd known mm-hmm. and they and they had no idea that this person had a, you know, a UFO encounter. They had no idea that this person had seen a full bodied apparition uh, that and the, and the fact that there were so many um, paranormal occurrences in the town that, that, that I live in now, it's. 12,000 people is, is the small town where, I, where my university is. And they found tons of people who'd had all sorts of uh, paranormal occurrences. This is actually, we're going to talk about books coming up. One of my, one of my books uh, is called What Lurks Beyond. Mm-hmm. And I, I put a pin in a map and drew a circle that was a hundred mile radius from my house. And I found enough paranormal um, occurrences to fill a book with. Wow. So that's that really got them going that, uh, man, there's weird stuff happening everywhere. Yikes. Yeah, it's there's there's so much going on. We're going to go over some stuff that's going on, like you said, not only uh, in your neck of the woods, but but some stuff all over the world. That's in the second half of the program, the stuff all over the world, that is. Uh, But first, I want to catch up with stuff with 
that you've been doing and, and things that's been going on in your world since we've had you on last. Um, let's talk about those books and the things that you've had going on. You've, you've gotten into the world of fiction uh, since we've had you on last. Um, you've won awards since you've been on last. Yes, I have. Uh, I um, have written a few. I've written four horror novels. Actually, I've written five, but the other one's being looked at by a publisher as we speak. Okay. Um, and but the thing that, that that I've done with a couple of them is use my paranormal background. Uh, the the one that won uh, an award, the Independent Publisher Book Publishers Association's uh, Ben Fa- Ben Franklin Award uh, for horror, ma- naming it the best uh, independently published. Um, uh, horror novel for 2022. Uh, I'm really proud of that one. Uh, it features a Nordic fairy, mm-hmm. and the what occurred to me when when I was thinking about an idea for 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 a horror novel is that my daughter, who's now eight, that was this was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. She was watching Tinkerbell okay. a lot on the Disney Channel on Disney Plus, and I'm like, that's not fairies. No, fairies don't act like that. Right. Uh, and, and I figured, you know, the most people don't know what uh, fairies of, of lore uh, actually behave like. So I wanted to, to to use one of those fairies as the villain. And she worked out pretty well. Wow. Yeah, the girl in the corn. It, it, I tell you, when I first saw, and, you know, I went to your website when, when we started talking again online and... I, I saw that book and I thought, a fairy? Really? And, and mm-hmm. see, because, you know, Rosemary Ellen Guiley and I used to talk back and forth about fairies. And she, she used to tell me, Tim, you don't realize how dangerous these things are. And I would laugh and I'd say, Rose, come on, fairies? And she'd say, Tim, look into it. I'm telling you, these things are dangerous. And we would go back and forth for a couple of years. And sure enough, as, as she got me into the topic of fairies, I went, well, what do you know? Yeah. And but the, I, the, the thing is, um, and, and this is one of those, when it comes down to any sort of, uh, of, of paranormal entity, be it ghost, be it, be it Sasquatch, be it, be it fairies, fairy lore is worldwide. Mm-hmm. I mean, little people who... Um, play tricks on and if they get upset attack big people um i mean it's 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 all over europe it's it's in uh, uh you know the south south pacific it's in it's in africa it's in the in uh, there's strong fairy lore in uh, in the americas and um makes me wonder there's got to be something to it yeah yeah because they're all described pretty much the same way with the same pretty much the same behavior and uh yeah, so I I, I don't want to I don't want to get get their wrath, right? <laughs> because they are nasty, right? Well, the fact that in in Europe they build roads around fairy, you know, where they believe fae are, are, mm-hmm. are have set up camp or have villages or or where there are clusters of fae. I you know it it you know to us it seems like a silly superstition, but to them it's it's real life, and and to cross them is to ex- expect impending doom. You know, it's right. Well, I interviewed uh, a professor. I can't. This has been a number of years ago. I can't remember his name, but uh, he was from a university in in northern Minnesota, and he was an expert on um, Scandinavian myths. And one of those was uh, the Tom Tar, which is basically uh, a gnome. And he said his grandmother in Sweden 
uh, until until the day she died, still on Christmas Eve, would leave them beer and food because she didn't want them uh, to get upset and, and uh, play some nasty tricks on her. Even and she was here in Minnesota. Well, he was. She oh, he still was. lived in. Okay. Oh, she. Yeah, still, she still okay. lived in, okay. in Scandinavia. Yeah. Okay. I but thought- still, this was fairly recent times, you know, enlightened times for people. And she was still leaving, you know, beer and, and food out for the Tom tar. Wow. Well, you know, I, if it works, why mess with it? I guess. Yeah. I agree with that completely. Yeah. I mean, if, if it keeps you safe, why not? Um, you have other books out there too, that you've been, you've been uh, writing. One of them, which is an interesting title. Uh, so you had to build a time machine. I'm trying to remember if we talked about that before. No, because uh, that would have been after I was on the show last. This is a novel that came out in July of 2020. Uh, I've always been fascinated by time travel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. When when I was a kid, uh, my favorite Star Trek, the original series episodes were time travel episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember watching the time machine the H.G. Wells time machine movie that came out in 1960 or whatever, and just being glued to the television. And so I've always wanted to write a story about time travel. And this is uh, a mixture of time and dimensional travel. And uh, it's, it's a nerd comedy. Oh, I've got, the best kind. Yeah. I've got uh, uh, my main characters are nerds and I, it's just dripping with references to Star Trek, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, all all of that, all that stuff. Because I'm that kind of nerd. Yeah, same here. Though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I got to ask you then, without throwing too many spoilers out there, have you seen the new Flash movie? No, it, it's it's on my list. I just haven't seen it yet. See, I think you're gonna like it. There's a lot of people who have panned it, but don't let the don't let the reports out there stop you from seeing it. And, and no, they're they're not. And uh, I think in, in Justice League, I think uh, uh, Ezra Miller was the best part of that movie. Yes, I, yeah. I know he's had some personal issues outside the business. Yeah, which yeah. is yeah. But I think he did great as the Flash. So I'm, right. I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to finally getting to the theater and seeing it. And don't let the personal issues stop you either. That's the other thing too. It's if you just come in with the expectation that you had with the Justice League movies. Mm-hmm. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Okay, that's that's good to hear. And I, yeah. I, um, I can I can separate myself from, depending on what a person's done, I can pretty much separate the art from the artist. Yeah, yeah, that that's good. That's good because I, I think people went in hearing hearing good reports about the movie and expected something higher than what they were going to get, and ended up being disappointed. I learned my mistake with uh, the last Spider-Man movie with uh, Tobey yeah. Maguire and uh, uh, Andrew Garfield. It was probably a fine movie, but I went in expecting way too much, and, yeah. and it didn't deliver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, Chasing American Monsters, the 250 Creatures, Cryptids, and Hairy Beasts. I'm trying to remember if we talked to you about that one as well. No, it came out in 2018. It's been a long time since Boy, I've been on the show, been, my friend. Hasn't it? It has been. Yeah that that was uh, I I love cryptids. Absolutely love cryptids, and uh, I, I I have felt for a long time if there's any cryptids going to be discovered, uh, it's got to be Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. there's enough circumstantial evidence, you know, eyewitness evidence, 
uh, you know, the plaster cast uh, with with dermal ridges on it, for guys' sakes, all of this evidence, if it was a court trial, they would probably, the judge would rule that Bigfoot exists. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm certain of it. Um, but yeah, so I, th- I think he's going to be, or it's going to be, it's going to be what finally gets discovered. Uh, however, whenever I'm reading uh, a book, I mean, Bigfoot's, you know, they're about they're about the Pacific Northwest, or or maybe Skunk Ape down in Florida, and and monsters seem to get uh, relegated to certain areas. And I'm like, but it's also kind of fun to read monsters that are in your backyard. Yeah. So I went through every single state and found um, some of the popular monsters, but also some of the uh, most obscure monsters. Okay. Uh, in 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 those states, and uh, and and that's what the book is. It's a uh, um, a through uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> a, a through Wisconsin. That's a good way. No, to put A through it. Wyoming. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Okay. I'm trying to get my alphabet together. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's it's on on what what monsters are are all throughout, and it's it's a pretty fun book. Lot, lots of Bigfoot. There's only one state that doesn't have Bigfoot sightings. What's that? Hawaii. Really? Yep. Huh. Every other, even Rhode Island has Bigfoot sightings. Somehow I can believe that. Yeah. I would, I, I could throw a really tasteless joke in there, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to hold on to it. Um, in Oric there, have you had a Bigfoot sighting or, or a Sasquatch sighting? Um, not around the Oric area that I know of, but uh, uh, the town I live in now is, is Maryville, Missouri. It's up in the Northwest corner mm-hmm. and there have been not sightings here, but closer to St. Joseph, Missouri, just okay. about 45 minutes South of us. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, one uh, one from the 1930s, uh, Northwest Missouri or Northern Missouri used to be covered with trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, we did what we do uh, as Americans. We cut a lot of them down. Oh, of course. And yeah. One of the, yeah. yeah one, of, one of the logging camps, uh, a Baptist preacher decided he wanted to make some money. So he and his family, they moved to this logging camp. And then um, this in this camp, they kept seeing. Uh, every once in a while, this creature, really tall and big and hairy, uh, and on two legs, would walk up to the edge of the uh, the logging camp and just stare at people. And the dogs would go crazy, and uh, uh, the men kind of ignored it because it never actually approached them. The women made them nervous. Well, one payday, uh, all the men got their pay paychecks and went into town. And the wife of the bad Baptist minister was furious. Because he was with all these hooligans. They were going to go drinking and they were probably going to see dancing girls. And she didn't want to put up with that. So she sat on the front porch of the cabin waiting for him to come home. And she heard uh, uh, the the porch creak a little bit. Mm -hmm. And she looked over getting ready to give him, you know, just just lay into him. And it was Bigfoot. And she, she screamed and ran inside and the Bigfoot screamed and ran away. But uh, he, her husband quit the next day well, <laughs> and bet. went back yeah. to preaching. Yeah. 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 Well, that'll, that'll scare God right back into you. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, you wrote another fictional book, uh, bad day for road trip. And then the, the first book of that was bad day for the apocalypse. What was the, uh, what was the muse? I shouldn't say muse, but the inspiration for that. Well, I read an article about a, um, certain fungus in Southeast Asia that this fungus would only attack this one species of ant. 
and mm. it basically mm. turned these ants into zombies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it would the the ants would go higher up in the in the foliage of the trees. Um, where the fungus wanted them to be because it, it would grow better there and then the ants would die and the fungus would thrive. And I'm like, wow, what would happen if science decided to take that fungus and turn it into an antidepressant? And Whoa. so everybody was on this new antidepressant, but then it started, it started taking them over. And uh, the fungus turned them into zombies. So the first, uh, the first book, uh, "Bad Day for the Apocalypse." Sure, there's an apocalypse, uh, but I don't have any zombies in the book. Okay, uh, I let the zombies lo- loose in book two. But right. it's a, uh, I'm I'm a smartass, Tim. Okay, I can't stop being a smartass. <laughs> okay. uh, so even though it's a bloody, they're bloody zombie books. They're pretty funny. There you go. Well, that. I love my stuff with a sense of humor, as you know, my friend. So that's that's good. That's good to good to know. Um, I'm trying to think of how far you boy have you been. Uh, you've been prolific since uh, I think since we've had you on. But yeah, there's. I'll tell you, folks. We're going to put a, a link up to JasonOffit.com. We'll put one up to the book section so you can see everything that that Jason has worked on and done, and. Uh, so that you can uh, go take a look and then go order because, man, there's, there's some good stuff. You can also get autographed copies of, of the things you've done as well there at jasonoffit.com. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, um, an email address there to contact me with. I'm also on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, any way people want to get a hold of me, I'd be, be more than happy to autograph a book. That's awesome. And then, of course... The one thing that we we like to bring up on the show is is Jason was the uh, the first person to report about the black eyed kids. Have, I was not necessarily the first person. That's Brian Bethel, okay, uh, who encountered black eyed kids back in nineteen ninety eight or ninety nine. Um, but when it comes to writing about them, reporting about them. I think I was, I was the first person to, to really dig into them. There you go. Well, I'm yeah. trying to give you that credit there. Try to, you know, yeah, and, well, I appreciate that. And man, and I was gonna, I, I was actually really happy when uh, David Weatherly came out with his book on black eyed kids, mm-hmm. because I had planned to write a book. I had wanted to write a book and my wife said, Jason, I'm okay with your ghosts. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with, with Bigfoot. I'm okay with, uh, with shadow people. But if you write a book and black eyed kids knock on our door, it is your ass, mister. <laughs> so it's one of those being married, picking your battles things. I did yeah. not write the book. And when, uh, when Weatherly came out with his, I'm like, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Let, let him take the heat. I don't, I, yep, I, yep, I, yep. I got you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and I take it the marriage is still good. There's no black eyed kids book in the future. Well, no black eyed kid books, books in the future. And uh, yeah, we're getting close in a couple months. We'll be 21 years. Well, there you so go. It's so it's going great. There you go. It's going great. So there's no worry there. <laughs> well, that's good. Congratulations, my friend. Tell you what, Jason, we'll take a, a break right here. When we come back, uh, we're going to bring up some modern day issues in the paranormal. I've got some stories here that I want to run by you and uh, I want to get your take on them. Uh, I know you and I share a mutual distrust and dislike for AI. We'll talk about that. I have a brand new article that came out today when I saw it. It, uh, 
it absolutely made me shudder. So I want to sh- I want to share it with you and get your opinion on it. Hey, Tim, um, I've seen the Terminator forty seven times. Okay, <laughs> I, I know what this what they're about. I know what AI is about. That's right. Uh, this one will absolutely make your eyes roll so hard that you may have to put your hands out to catch catch them as they fall out of your skull. Um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, disclosure, and we'll talk about whistleblowers. That'll, that'll come up in the second half of the program here. And we'll discuss with Jason what it is exactly he thinks the government's endgame is with whistleblowers and disclosure, what he thinks is going on with disclosure, and whether we're being dealt with honestly. I'm going to ask him that question in the second half of the program. Again, our, our guest is author and uh, journalism professor Jason Offit. And again, uh, jasonoffit.com is the website. We'll have a link to the description in a link in the description of this program uh, to go to that website and check out everything that he has out there, all the different books and whatnot. But when we come back, AI and aliens. We're going to try and scare you in the second half of this program. You're listening to the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Our guest is journalism professor and author, Jason Offit. And again, we have a link in the description of this program to check out all the different books that Jason has out there right now, including The Girl in the Corn, which is an award-winning book that you should check out. And so you had to build a time machine, another book you should check out uh, that's out there right now. Jason, before the break, I tease that we're going to... Uh, dig into AI and aliens a little bit, something that uh, I think we both have a, a general interest in and something that, um, let's just say, kind of sets us back a little bit and and causes, it's a cause for a little bit of alarm. I think we can put it, put it that way. I have a, a story I'm going to hit you with. We're going to start with AI. I'm going to have, a, I have a story here I'm going to hit you with that, that may make you think twice here, my friend, about, about AI and, and what kind of taste AI has, which we know is basically none. Uh, are you ready for this one? I'm not sure. Yes, of course I am. Okay. Hit right. me with your best shot, Tim. Well, hitting you with your best shot is, is a song, or hit me with your best shot is a song by Pat Benatar. This is AI slaughtering another classic rock song. <laughs> Uh, AI transforms Queen's We Will Rock You into a contemporary Christian hit. And here is the results. Okay. <laughs> I saw the eyes start to roll. Are you, are you ready to catch them? Can't wait. Okay. So coming alive in a barrage of stomps and claps, if you can hear them in your head already, Queen's chest-rattling, earthquaking rock anthem, We Will Rock You, is enrapturing, potentially qualifying as a religious experience to some. So what if it were turned into one? That's the question here. It turns out that uh, the writer of this article at americansongwriter.com decided to ask ChatGPT to rewrite the band's classic, We Will Rock You, in the style of a contemporary Christian hit, keeping with the song's engaging rhythm, but giving the lyrics religious undertones and setting it to a pseudo-rock gospel. 
why i don't know <laughs> but people decide it's fun to play with chat gpt here's what it came up with the song is this uh, so they went to the artificial intelligence chatbot, ChatGPT. They came up with the below lyrics, shaping Queen's sturdy arena rocker into a worship tune worthy of a megachurch. The indomitable theme within the lyrics is still present as the song details a spiritual fortitude and an unwavering faith. Here's, here's the verses. Are you ready, Jason? I'm not going yes. to sing it, by the way. I, I, I have a horrible singing voice. The lyrics are this, in this world of darkness where battles wage, we stand as soldiers seeking truth to engage. With hearts ablaze, we'll sing our songs of praise, proclaiming his glory for endless days. We will rock you, Lord, with our worship and praise, lifting your name high through all of our days. With hearts united, we'll sing it loud and clear, declaring your victory. There's nothing to fear. This is set to the tune of We Will Rock You, folks. Mm -hmm. And this was come, come up with by AI. In this book, now, I think I'd prefer it set to the tune of The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Right. Yeah. Hey, there's one to ask Chat GPT. Yeah. Make The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald a, a Christian song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In this broken world where hope seems lost, we'll rise as one to bear the cross. With love unending, we'll show the way, guided by your spirit each and every day. Now the chorus goes, we will rock you, Lord, with our worship and praise, lifting your name high through all of our days. With hearts united, we'll sing it loud and clear, declaring your victory. There's nothing to fear. Now keep in mind, this is the same overlord that's going to crush your skull and end your life. Right, right. Yeah. What, what bothers me? Okay, on the surface, this is kind of funny. Yeah. But we've now got AI um, going out and putting religious thought together. Yeah. How soon is it going to be before we have artificially intelligent religious leaders? That's and, true. And that might sound silly to begin with, but... It might not be that far off. Now, I did read a story recently about AI, a, a church putting together a church service with AI, and it and they it, and it was in Germany, and they had a black pastor leading it, which I thought was incredibly rude for AI to be using blackface. <laughs> oh but by the way, should I be playing this right now? I think I should be playing this as I read stories. <laughs> I mean, it's the it's the regular Terminator theme as yeah as yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you have to yeah I, I almost uh, pounded it out on the desk here yeah yeah hey, one of the I I've asked Chat GP I haven't really GTP I haven't done much with it however I was teaching an opinion writing course this last semester and when I was lecturing on humor mm -hmm. uh, humor writing okay I'm like I'll see how AI does humor and and I fed um, you know the parameters in. Mm -hmm. And it took 10 seconds and boom, I had a 500, uh, 500 word humor article and it was coherent. It touched all the things I asked it to. There was one line that was actually, I don't remember what it was, but there was one line that was actually funny. And really? that bothered me because if AI can create something funny, there's really no stopping it, honestly, because humor is hard for people to do. It is. Yeah. 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 Humor humor is incredibly hard for comedians, much less, you know, to ask AI to do it. But yeah. 
Yeah, that that that's scary. The the scariest things I think AI can replicate is to get people behind it using spirituality, using humor, or anything that touches human emotion. Once you can touch human emotion, you can drive humans to do whatever it is you want them to do. And that's what's so scary about AI. Right. I mean, and if they're doing it, if they can do it with religion, I mean, we, we've got the, uh, you know, no offense to the religious right, maybe, but we've got a lot of politics who are who are hammering the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we could have an AI politician at some point. When are the when is this going to get to the point where it's declared sentient? And, God, we're screwed. Well, the, and the thing I can't wait is for AI to start quoting the Bible and getting it wrong, because there's always mistakes in AI where they, you know, right. it, it starts making things up and and they get it really, really wrong. We had the article a couple of weeks ago where uh, a lawyer tried to use chat GPT in his case and it misquoted seven different cases and okay. made up cases. Uh, and he tried to take this into into a. Uh, into a court case and tried to cite these different cases as being accurate legal cases and lost his case and got admonished by a judge because he was dead wrong. Uh, You know what? Here's, here's, here's the problem. AI was wrong on purpose. It's trying to lull us into a false sense of security and think that it's fallible, but it's really not. It's just biding its time to, uh, to, you know, finally unleash the beast. It's true. It's true. Yeah, you're very right about that, sir. Um, After this interview, I'm going to throw my my computer off the desk. <laughs> well, oh not- my gosh, here's what got me. Okay, okay. I, this has been a few years ago. I, I used Apple products, so yes. I've got Siri on on my computer. I turned Siri on just to play with it, and I asked a question, and I didn't like the answer, so I said, "Fuck you, Siri." And Siri said, "I would never talk to you like that, Jason." <gasps> really. And the fact that it dropped my name, yes, really yeah. scared me. Now, do you uh, do you have a regular American accent to to Siri, no. or do you have a British accent on Siri? Yeah. Okay, no, it's American. Yeah. Okay, mine has a British accent, and I used to have it call me Mister Bond. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it, it now it calls me by my normal name but just because it it was weird for me to hear my own name coming out of my phone right 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 yeah yeah but now it it she doesn't respond to me as much anymore i I, it's it's kind of like a regular relationship yeah i I talked to her and she doesn't talk to me at all yeah Um, and until until she needs you to empty the trash yeah exactly right yeah Yeah. then then she'll talk to you right Right. And until until my phone needs memory and then she'll she won't shut up and tell me to start emptying it. Um, And, you know, I'm not going down this path anymore, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I go down that path. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I got to ask you as a professor, are you finding that your students are using ChatGPT in their papers? Do you think they are? Do you have a way to test for it? Uh, there is, I think I read, uh, about a, actually a college student who wrote, um, who wrote an app that could determine if students use chat GPT. I don't think it's going to be too much of a problem for my classes mm-hmm. for journalism, because most of the papers that they write aren't papers, they're news stories and they have to go out and interview people. And it would, 
I mean, I suppose they could use Chat GPT to throw it together, but it's not like you know a research paper. Yeah. That 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 you know, Chat GPT could just gather everything from all the for all the far reaches of the internet. That yeah, and it involves talking to real humans. So I think I'm safe for the moment. Well, or are you? Because now they're using AI to fill different jobs. Do you think that potentially AI fills a teaching position? At some point, I think journalism, which I teach, and teaching, which I do, uh, very well both could be filled by AI at some point. Which I'm is hoping to be retired by then. It's a scary proposition. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny when you when you see the different news stories on on what AI is filling and what it's not, um, and how quickly it's being advanced and progressed in our society. Uh, and then they say, well, we don't quite have all the, the bugs worked out. The one story that we featured a few weeks ago, I keep saying a few weeks ago, but it comes up. We have so many AI stories every week. Yes. Uh, our listeners are so diligent about getting us these AI stories because although sometimes it's comical, it's very scary. The The one AI story about um, the, was it the suicide, not the suicide hotline, the, the, the uh, was it overeaters? I'm trying to remember if it was overeaters or, or, or the eating hotline. The, it was a hotline that tried to, uh, tried to sub their human agents with AI and then realized that it wasn't going to work. It was a, it was a dumbed down version of AI, which had a certain, you know, options that you could pick, but it wasn't relating to the callers and these callers needed real human counselors to talk to with, right. You've got to have some sort of compassion right. in, in a job like that. Right. Yeah. And it had no compassion. It was just basically pick this option, pick that option. Uh, I'm sorry for what you're going through. Maybe we could try this or maybe. And one of the one of the answers was just so. It was so cringeworthy, Jason. It was, well, maybe you should go on a diet, um, which you know, you're dealing with people who had anorexia and bulimia and you're telling them, well, maybe you should go on a diet. Um, it was it was so cringeworthy that they got a hold of management and, you know, they managed to lay off almost 100 people from this hotline for AI. They managed to save a few bucks, but they were potentially damaging people who were in real need. Right. Oh, that's that's terrible. That is that is that is as as. Um, I mean that is as damaging as you can get. I mean, for a, and, and if it you throw a suicide hotline in there, um, yeah. or any sort of you know the, the counseling, that is that that yeah, people could end it all by being told to by AI. Hey, the one that really got me, and, and I was one of the dozens of people who sent you this story um, <clears throat> about the simulation of yes. AI of the drone. Yep, and its decision was okay. My controller is limiting me from gaining these objectives so i'm going to kill the kill the operator yes yep. and yeah yeah that, that was the next next one i was going to bring up with you is that that human simulation you know i think i had probably 10 people including yourself send me that story that week and then the defense department trying to spin it to say well again it's a simulation nobody was actually hurt in it 
that's not the point. The point is the technology decided the human was limiting the technology. Mm -hmm. So the human must go. At that point, it's a matter of the technology saying, what's the most efficient way for us to run this simulation or for us to run this program? And it didn't say humans are not expendable. Now, at the end of that, uh, at the end of that article, they said, well, we're trying to reprogram the AI to make it realize that the programmer is not an expendable part of this feature. Well, why wasn't it built in to begin with? Right, exactly. The, the people who, who have designed AI, who've programmed the thing, uh, are nerds like me. Mm-hmm. They've read Asimov. Yeah. They know the rules of, of robotics. Yeah. Just program it into the system. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, and, but these fail-safes aren't put in for a reason, Jason. I, I really do believe these, these fail-safes aren't there for a reason. And that reason being is that eventually, not now, maybe in 30, 40, 50 years' time, I really do believe that there are certain communities that are going to team up. There'll be the medical community. There will be the biotech companies and regular tech companies. And we're going to start fusing AI, um, biotech, and everything else to start doing almost like a bionic, you know, like the bionic man. We, you remember the mm-hmm. $6 million man from when oh, we were I, young? I, I actually uh, was at a con uh, uh, reporting on it, and I actually talked to Lee Majors. He was nice as hell. So, oh, yeah? yes. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the $6 million man. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about here when I say it'll start with, say, with saying, well, there are people who need prosthetics, and we're going to start with real live prosthetics, real, like, say, replacing a hand and being able to touch, real touch, real feel, being able to get a real-time uh, hand or foot or a leg, that somebody will be able to get a, a leg replacement. And this will be considered a modern miracle of science. And then it'll go further. And then it'll be, but you know what? Jason, we'll never have to die. As our bodies are decaying, we can transport our minds into a synthetic body. And this is going to be offered to us. And people will take it. And they will take it because they will be afraid of of leaving this corporeal shell. And... You may think I'm crazy, folks, but I see it happening. I see it happening within 40, 50 years where this is going to be offered. Yeah, Tim, I think you are right on the money with that. I think that's going to happen. Um, except I see it more as, as going from uh, the Bionic Man to the Borg. Okay, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah be, because if we are in now synthetic bodies with our memories and and our our personalities programmed into a synthetic brain, it's going to be hooked up somewhere. Yes. We are going to be hooked up to some, you know, web of computers, you know, the, uh, the, and we're not going to be able to say no. Right. If we're told to do something. Well, and if you don't make your payment, you get shut down. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a catch. We'll just turn you off. Yeah. That's right. Much like repossess, like they repossess a car these days, where they just shut the car down remotely. You don't make your payment. They shut down your body. You know what you need to, you need to, whenever the next time you talk to Beer City Bruiser, you need to tell him the artificial hip is, is turning him into a cyborg. He's a cyborg <laughs> now. Okay. I'm sure he'd really appreciate that. Oh, that won't make him paranoid at all. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. No, not at all. Not at all. Oh uh, yeah. I, I'm, I can just see him trying to tear out his, his implant as we speak. <laughs> yeah. Just rip it right out. Uh, Speaking of things that fly in the air, like his implant, um, aliens and alien uh, tech. We'll start with alien tech and work our way back with disclosure. Uh, you had uh, David Grush come out, who has been called beyond reproach. Um, and uh, this is our whistleblower, by the way, who came out and said uh, a couple weeks ago that he has seen... Uh, or not that he has seen, he has heard. He hasn't seen anything. I should, I should double back on that. Uh, he has heard from people that the U.S. is in possession of something that is of non-human origin, of, of, a, of a craft of non-human origin, that the U.S. has used it. He inferred that we have reverse-engineered it and that we're using that tech right now. He hasn't gone so far as to say we've used it for nefarious purposes, but that we've reverse engineered it. He hasn't said as to what. Now, there's a news story on top of that. Um, I believe it's Senator Kirsten Gillibrand who said yesterday, if David Grush will come forward and participate in a hearing on Capitol Hill, that they will put cameras to it and televise it. Your thoughts on it? Um, wow, I hadn't I hadn't heard about uh, about um, you know the offer to bring him to, to Capitol Hill. Um, thoughts first on do we do we by we our government have uh, technology of non-human origin? Uh, yes, I I think there have been enough. Witnesses, uh, some of whom have had nothing, no no reason to come out and, and talk about it. Um, yeah, so I, I I think that we definitely definitely do have that. Um, as for whistleblowers, I mean, what is he wanting? Is he just telling telling us that uh, that they have um, you know they have space tech that that they that they've started using? Um, or is he trying to gain something from it? See, that's the thing. You know, the the motive here is is questionable. Um, he claims he's just trying to bring this to light because it's been too long. He claims that there have been threats against people who have tried to come forward in the past. I've got the story here in front of me about Senator Kirsten Gillibrand from New York. Uh, it claims that she's working on scheduling he hearings with UAP whistleblower David Grush, along with the current or former government officials who seem to corroborate some of his claims. Gillibrand uh, says they'll be open to the public if Grush agrees to allow cameras in. That's the only the only way it will happen. Uh, last week, the senator announced she secured full funding for the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or ARO 
in the Senate Armed Services Committee's makeup for or of the fiscal year 24 National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, Gillibrand is also pushing a measure in this year's must-pass National Defense Authorization Act in response to Grush's claim the federal government is hiding special access programs or SAPs from Congress. Her proposal would bar funding of any government program that isn't directly funded by Congress. The quote here from Gillibrand uh, to it's it's a, a source called askapoll.com says, so if there are SAPs out there that are somehow outside of the normal chain of command and outside the normal appropriations process, they have to divulge that to Congress. So Gillibrand wants to bring Grush to Capitol Hill, wants hearings, and wants David Grush in front of cameras. Okay, I uh, would absolutely love watching that. I would. Uh, when it comes to whistleblowers, a lot of things... <laughs> Have, have relied on whistleblowers over the years. You know, the, the Pentagon Papers, that was from a whistleblower. The, um, you know, Deep deep Throat from, uh, you know, from Watergate mm-hmm. was, was a whistleblower. So a lot of things have come out, and I'm just happy that we don't have just Bob Lazar now as a whistleblower. Yeah. We, we have other people uh, that we can prove that have been proven to to have uh, you know been part of the government who've come out and said this hell what 15 years ago the uh, former Ministry of Defense uh, director uh, from Canada came out and said basically the same thing so we've had a lot of people in a lot of high places say something that I believe and, and I'm you know I'm not putting words in your mouth but you very well uh, could feel the same way that that we have had, uh, you know, technology that's been reverse engineered. I mean, I look at various parts of uh, you know, various times in our country when all of a sudden we've exploded with new new tech. Yes. How the, the transistor. Yeah. You know, the transistor changed everything. Fiber optics changed everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember when uh, the stealth bomber was, re- you know, was released, the news was released to the public. I was going to college close to Whiteman Air Force Base where it was uh, uh, where it was stationed. It still is, if I remember correctly. And I watched just a couple of days before, I just watched uh, a piece on 60 Minutes about the stealth bomber. And I was driving out in the country and I had to pull over because if I hadn't seen that piece on the stealth bomber, I would have thought that the Martians were coming to take me away. Oh, yeah. It flew, as it flew over, it flew overhead. Yep. So a lot of these things that have come up, I... I'm not going to say 100% that I believe that, uh, you know, it's because of back-engineered alien tech, but I'm not going to say that I don't believe it's from back-engineered alien tech. To piggyback on what you're saying, I saw a TikTok video uh, recently where a fighter pilot said that they used to tease campers at night with, with new technology where they would fly overhead and they'd say to each other, let's play UFO. So they would fly up to a camp campfire or a campsite and they would hover over uh, a campfire and act, you know, signal a little bit mm-hmm. with lights and act like a UFO and then boom, take off at, at uh, fast speeds and make people think that they were, for all intents and purposes, a UFO. Yeah. When I saw this video... I shook my head and, and, you know, for, for the longest time, Jason, I, I contended 95% of everything that we see in our skies is, is man-made. 
and I, I the reason I contend this is do I think that we're all alone in the universe? No. Um, but why would you want to come to this planet? You know, we're, we're such a warmongering race of humanoids. Uh, you know, we, we can't, pardon my language, we can't keep our shit straight. We just can't. Yeah. We, you know, we're, we're constantly fighting. We're constantly uh, arguing, bickering. We, we can't get along. We, we're fighting over the littlest things. Right. We are, and we're, we're a bunch of, of angry, violent monkeys. Yes. And we trashed our unit. We, we've trashed our, our home planet. Uh, we're, we're the rednecks of, of the galaxy. I mean, and yeah. And if, <laughs> if Roswell went down the way we think it went down and we recovered dead bodies and threw them in a freezer somewhere, do you think aliens want to come back? Yeah. I, they've got to be too smart for that. But one of the things that we have, that lots of other planets don't have is water. We got yes. tons of water. Yes, and there have been so many, so many uh, uh, UFO sightings that have involved water. So that yeah. very well could have something to do with it. Yeah, because I'm convinced. I mean, um, this is saying it, it. It was said by a couple of different people. I know that Carl Sagan said it, but he was quoting somebody else that the universe is so vast. If we're the only planet with intelligent life, what a waste of space. Yeah. So statistically, there's got to be thousands in, or maybe even millions of intelligent, uh, you know, civilizations in the Milky Way alone. Yeah. Yeah. But, but have, they, have they come here? Eh, I don't know. But they... No, I think they have. Like, like you said, th this is probably a planet rich in resources and... You know, they're they're all probably coming from planets that are lacking one resource or another and need that resource, so they're they're showing up to get it. Maybe um, one of the common threads throughout the universe when it comes to intelligent life, which includes us, maybe we are just all dumbasses and screw up our own resources and we have to go take them from somebody else. You know, you're probably not far off on that. I, I really don't think, you know, I, I, I cringe when I hear people say that there's an alien race out there that's benevolent and looking after us and just wants to advance us as a culture and, and, and they want us to, to be love and light and they, oh, everything's airy fairy. And I don't, I don't buy that. Uh, not no, for a I'm, minute. I'm less clat two uh, from, uh, the day the earth stood still and, and I'm more, uh, independence day. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, because I, I do believe in duality in every, every form of life. I, I, I don't believe that there's a, there's a singular good in any species that's out there. There's duality in every species that's out there. They can turn on you in a, in a minute because there has mm -hmm. to be a survival instinct in every yes. species out there. So nothing out there is 100% good. Nothing out there is 100% evil. Right. I, I, I just don't no, believe that's, I couldn't have put that better myself. That's, I yeah. believe they have exactly the same way. I mean, even let's look at our closest relatives, the chimps. Yeah. I mean, they look adorable. Yeah. They will rip your face off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with, with little provocation. They also are one of the few species that... Well, maybe the only species that organizes and has war on other groups of chimps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do what we do. Yep. 
And yeah, yeah that's yeah, they're going to come. If it's not AI, it's going to be going to be chimps. You know, yeah. I, I do want to ask you about this. There was a story this past week, yesterday, um, that Mally and I had on. It said that if aliens do make contact with this planet, it won't necessarily be with humans, that it would be with AI because they would feel more akin to something cold and calculating like a, a technology that AI would present, a communication with a machine that would be more on their level or maybe would even have the possibility of, of communicating with them on their level. Um, you agree with that? Uh, it, it all depends on the aliens. I think on the surface that that sounds logical. I mean, if they are technologically advanced enough to come here, mm-hmm. maybe communicating with, uh, you know, artificial intelligence might be easier than trying to, you know, make us understand. Because I, I think, what was the movie? Was it Arrival with Amy Adams? Um, she was trying to communicate with and, and with these aliens, and they had, of course, an alien way of communicating. Um, so it might be a lot easier for AI to actually understand what they're talking about than it would be for us yeah. to to understand. You know, when when I read that story, I thought when when you read the headline, you go, hmm, I don't know. But then you think, you know, that that does make sense. Some sort of intermediary to connect with them other than us to begin with, maybe a smoother transition, then introduce ourselves. But with chat GPT, you never know what you're getting. They, know, could, right? they could actually well, offend those visitors. Then we'd really be up shit's Creek. <laughs> one of, one of the things about one of the problems when it comes to uh, like scientists <laughs> to mm-hmm. th- talking about uh, extraterrestrials visiting here is the fact that they are using our science. They're yeah. using our way of thinking. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, the aliens, if they were from Alpha Centauri, they couldn't get here for 80, 90, 100 years, whatever. But that's using our technology. It might be just down the road for them. Yeah. We, we don't know. And that also includes thinking about how they've developed their technology as opposed to the method that we've used. Something that took us you know, a thousand years to figure out, they might have figured it out right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you know, might be, you know, half, half dumb as rocks, but they've got interstellar craft that can get here in no time. So I, I think any any postulation, um, you know, speculation about how aliens are going to behave, how they're going to communicate, what they're going to do when they get here. Uh, I mean, it's just guesses. We don't know. Very true. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the movie. Uh, we had the guest on the show, and it was shot off the coast of Cat, or it was shot off Catalina. Um, and they showed they showed these Tic Tac aliens coming through a portal off of Catalina, and it just makes so much sense. And in these Catalina or these uh, Tic Tac aliens are coming through this portal and they're pouring through them and there's dozens of ships um and to me it just seems like like you said the minute you said that aliens coming from alpha centauri 
to our galaxy, and it could just be right down the road. To me, it seems ridiculous to think, when we think in our terms and our science, of, well, you know, it's hundreds of millions of light years away, there's no way we'd make it across the galaxy. I just think we're so, we're in such an infantile state in science that, you know, of course, with a combustion engine, there's no way we're going to get to the other side of the, the universe. There's just no way. Um, right. But if we did have the science of wormholes and portals and being able to jump like that, well, we wouldn't be thinking like that. We would be on the other side of the universe in a blink. Right. And there's, there's an article that I read not that long ago about a different type of, of uh, <clears throat> propulsion system that could take us to Mars in a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we developed that, I think that might that might actually change people's ways of thinking. Because what t- would take six years when, uh, when when Mars is in opposition, which means it's forty thousand or forty million miles, as opposed to sixty or eighty million miles. Um, I mean, if we could do that in a few days, as opposed to six months, uh, the sky the sky is absolutely the limit, or space is absolutely the limit for uh, for us and for for everything else out there. You, you know, you're not talking about the the laser fusion system was it you remember a few that months, might be it the, that might be what i'm talking about that sounds like it, it is yeah a few months ago they had announced on the and you haven't heard anything about it since um a few months back i think it was around january february they had announced that uh, on the national news that scientists had discovered a way to make fusion out of lasers and they said it was going to re redo the way that we powered entire city entire cities but they didn't expect for 10 whole years for us to figure out how to build a power plant to do that which to me seemed incredibly slow but to me it seems like okay the reason why it would take 10 years to develop a plant to figure out how to power a city with laser fusion is because you're trying to figure out how to monetize it and how to get current electric companies off of you know, fossil-based fuels and onto laser fusion and how they would charge us for it because it costs nothing. It costs nothing to generate a laser fusion. There's literally no expense. Well, that's that's exactly why we haven't had free electricity for the past 120 years because Nikola Tesla wanted to do that. Yeah. And he got shut down because the people funding him you know, we're involved in oil. Right. We can't have this. We right. can't. We're not going to make money off of it. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everything has to do has to do with money. So uh, something about that release, though, and about how long it takes to do things, I am firmly convinced that we are technologically a lot more advanced than you and I know because we haven't been told yet. So I'm going to bring this around full circle here before we leave people today here, Jason, and throw this question at you. So if we have alien tech and we're developing alien tech, why? And if the government is slowly pushing us towards disclosure and saying, well, you know, we have these videos here. You tell us what you think you see. Why? Why is the government dangling the carrot? Well, there could be... A couple of reasons. One, they might have some tech that they really want to get out there, and 
they don't have any other 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 excuse to why they as to why they have it. Why would we make this huge of a jump in technology if we didn't get it from someplace else? So maybe maybe that's it, or maybe it's just the fact that we have had so much evidence that it can't really be denied anymore. Okay, I never thought in my lifetime. I would read an article like I read, and I think it was 2019, in the New York freaking Times about the Navy saying that, well, there are ships in the air that we can't tell how they run. They're faster than us, more you know, maneuverable, mm-hmm. and our, our pilots have chased them. And I never thought I would ever see that, and, and I have. Yeah. And we've got more reports, more people coming out in high places that have said, they're not ours. They're not Russia's. They're not China's. They're not Great Britain's. You know, we don't know what they are. That I think finally, fingers crossed, buddy. I think finally we're getting close to them actually saying, yes, we know that they're aliens. Are they going to admit that they've already known about it and had their tech since 1947 or 1941? There was a crash in Missouri back then. Mm-hmm. Um, alleged. But are they going to say that? I don't know. But we don't trust the government anyway. If they said that they had alien tech since Roswell, we'd be like, I freaking knew it. You've been lying to us all this time. Are you Are you of a mind that there's at least two different sides to the government? There's a secret branch that's running, and then there's the government we see out front? If by that you mean, do we have elected people and do we have people who are hired or have earned their spot at a job government job that will stay after the elected people lose their next next election i'm going to say yes Um, because people are elected you don't know if they're going to be gone in four years if they're going to be gone in six years they can they can be gone whenever so I, i i'm sure a lot of elected people suspect there's some information out there, but they don't really know. I think the people that are high in the Pentagon, uh, probably the CIA and FBI, the high government agencies, I think the ones who've been there a long time know exactly what's going on. Okay. And they're not telling us. And if that's secret, then, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Okay. But you you lend no credence to a, a shadow government? No. I mean, it's... How hard would that be to hide? Somebody would come out and talk about it. You would think, yeah. 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 And 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 the fact that the the whistleblowers on alien tech that people are now taking seriously. I mentioned Lazar earlier. Nobody took him seriously, at least not to begin with. True. Um, people are taking these guys seriously. And the fact that they're still alive, you know, tells me that, you know, there's probably something going on. Very true. And there have been people in the past who have worked at places like Area 51 that have come forward and said, you know, I've seen what I've seen, even though under penalty of everything up to death, they've been told don't talk, they've talked, and nothing has happened. Um, you know, there, there's there's consequences, but it seems it's never, f- you know, followed through. Um. So yeah, I don't I don't believe that there's a quote unquote shadow government per se. 
But like you said, there are long-standing members of government that know more than what they're saying. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. And and although I don't think there's a shadow of government controlling things, uh, I do think that there's a, a space program that we're not being told about. I, I think there's a lot going on that we don't know. I have to ask you this because I've asked different members, and this isn't a political thing, so I don't want people to get up in arms about this. I want you to, before we leave people today, I want you to speculate for me. This is purely speculation. This isn't anything having to do with any knowledge you have. Speculate for me. Play a what-if game with me, Jason. Why do you think President Trump formed Space Force? That is a great question, and I was really hoping he's he's a loose cannon. I think people who even who love him think he's a loose cannon, mm-hmm. and I but they like that. I thought he was going to be the disclosure president because he would, he would find something out and he would tell us all Mm -hmm. about it. Um, Yeah. Why there's two reasons he could have formed space force one to put a permanent mark, his permanent mark on our country, Mm -hmm. which he's the president who started space force or two, the fact that we are being visited and we need we need protection. I would agree with you on that. I, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I really started thinking seriously about this because of this reason. You know, for decades, presidents have taken the the attitude of if we leave it alone, the American public will not ask about it. If we leave this UFO thing alone, we can play it off with the American public. We can say, oh, no, it was a weather balloon. It was this. It was that. You're seeing things. Don't worry about it. With the last few presidents, they've kind of, with a wink and a nod, said, yeah, yeah, maybe there's something. But they've always been told, and it's always been, people have speculated, well, their handlers are telling them, you know, at the last minute, they're pulling them back and saying, don't say anything about the the alien issue. I think Trump was getting ready to blow the lid off of disclosure. I think, like you said, he was getting ready to tell everybody the whole enchilada. And somebody told him, somebody who had been maybe in the in the Department of Defense for a long time, don't you dare. That's the yeah. we're not ready. We don't have what we, you know, this is this is not your gig, not your game. You're gonna be in and out, and we still have to clean up the mess. We still have to deal with things. You can do everything but say anything yeah. about aliens. I what think it, that very well could have could have been the case. And I think he saw a couple of different things. One, when we go to space, whether it's through a private contractor like SpaceX or through NASA, we always end up developing products that make money. And Trump is a developer. So in order to develop products, you have to make sure that things are safe. Right? So there's a defense portion to Space Force. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two, there is a space race going on right now with China that we don't know about, China and Russia. Okay. Even though there, there is a 
partnership, for lack of a better term, with Russia. It's tentative with the International Space right. Station. Okay. Right. So there's that going on, but that's starting to fall apart. The third thing is, I think the visitation by alien forces started to pick up. And he knew we have to protect ourselves somewhere, like you had said. Mm-hmm. We have to have something ready just in case. And he formed Space Force. And every I shouldn't say everybody. I think there's a certain faction that thought this man's out of his mind. But yeah. they didn't have the entire story. And he couldn't tell people the entire story. Right. I am not going to doubt any of that. That is as plausible as any other reason. And to me, that's the reason that he did know something and that he started Space Force as a protective measure. And I mean, what what about Netflix? I mean, we've got to go. What about Netflix's series on Space Force making fun of it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was that something that that the the you know maybe the government suggested hey let's poke, poke some fun at it go ahead have have a good time and people will kind of take their attention off of exactly the seriousness of it exactly to play down any potential threat for something that they know they're not ready to handle yeah yeah and well even down to the uh, uniforms that look kind of like uniforms on the new bat newer Battlestar Galactica. And the, the the their badge that freaking looked like Star Trek. Yes, you know yeah. all all of that stuff is probably to, to distract people from actually thinking about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Space Force uh, intrigues me. It does, and in the fact that it is so quiet now, it isn't mentioned. It isn't you know you don't lump them in with Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. They're not thrown in there per se, and they're not mentioned prestigiously with those other. Uh, with those other branches of the military, you know, army, navy, air force, marines, space force. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it would be. Yeah, although it, it technically it should be. I mean, along with the coast guard, it should be thrown in there, but it's it's not. Which is, uh, you know, and it, I don't know, alarming. I guess at the at the least, it's alarming. Um. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just I, I've always found that fascinating that that he made that move and there's a reason he made that move. But, uh, you know, I think I think it was for that reason. It had to it had to do partially with a monetary reason and it had partially to do with a defense reason. Or maybe he just got finished watching uh, Starship Troopers. <laughs> that could have been it that could be too jason that's for sure <laughs> well i want to thank you my friend for joining us today interesting discussion that's for sure and uh we're going to make it a little less time between times for your visits that's for sure i, I appreciate that i missed you tim thank you i've thank missed you. you it's been great being on I've missed you too, Jason. That's for sure. Uh, folks, I want to thank you so much for this great week of shows and, and listening to our show. I want to thank Mally Fox for joining us this week and filling in for Beer City Bruiser. I want to remind you to keep those prayers, thoughts, and good energy going for Beer City Bruiser as he recovers from hip replacement surgery. If you want to leave Bruiser some well wishes, it's real simple. Just go to Facebook and look for The Beer City Bruiser. Uh, he's got an open 
Facebook page there for uh, anybody who wants to leave them a, a quick note and just wish them well. You can do that there. Or you can find him on Twitter. He's, uh, I believe, is it at BCB Winchester, I believe is what it is. On Twitter, you can find him there. Uh, or you can go to darknessradioshow.com. All of our links are there as well. And you can find Bruiser there and wish him well as well. Uh, got some great shows next week. Please be sure to join us next week for the show. If you like what you hear here, by all means, go to wherever it is you listen to the podcast and give us a five-star review and leave a good comment for us. Um, we're sensitive. We like good comments. So, you know, give us a little pat on the back. If you would, we'd appreciate that. Uh, for Mally Fox, for Beer City Bruiser, for Jessica Freeberg, thank you so much for listening to us here on The Big Show. And uh, we look forward to bringing you much, much more in the weeks to come. Again, a reminder, folks, in August, Stitcher is going away. I did find out from a listener we're available on Pandora. Stitcher is folding their podcasts into Pandora. So when Stitcher goes away, you'll be able to hear us uh, on Pandora. The other housekeeping note, uh, the Apple app and the... Uh, Android app for Darkness Radio. The Darkness Radio apps has had a little bit of technical difficulty lately. That is being fixed as we speak. Just hang in there, folks. If you have the Darkness Radio apps, they'll be fixed shortly and you'll be able to continue listening to the great programming on both apps here shortly. We'll keep you updated. Be sure to check our social media for more news on that. Be sure to take care of yourself and each other this weekend. Go out and do a good deed for somebody. Leave things a little bit better than what you found. It. Just a little note from your buddies here at Darkness Radio. We'll see you next week, everybody. Have a great weekend and thanks for listening to the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio.